All right, my name is Jason Watson with WCG uh, alongside Joseph Bassett, Megan Olchenbruns. All right, and this is segment four um, of our four segment podcast on CRNA type stuff. We've been seeing a lot of movement in the CRNA landscape in the last couple of years, uh, a lot of them being converted from W 2s to 1099s. 1099 contractors really are businesses, right? Some people, you know, they leave on a Friday, W 2 employee, they show up on Monday as a contractor and in their brain they're like it's just all the same I show up I put people to sleep and what's the big deal well there's a lot more opportunity for you and there's a lot more that you have to pay attention to as a contractor Um, and we talked about in previous segments we talked about setting up your entity and all that good stuff as selection why it makes sense when it doesn't when you maybe want to defer until the following year Um, in segment three we talked about registering in a state to do business in that state nothing to do with income taxes or payroll those are separate issues income and payroll and then also temporary duty assignments as well so in this one we're going to talk about tax deductions Um, we're just going to kind of run through the common ones there's a zillion Maybe not a zillion, maybe just short of a million, but <laughs> a lot. Um, first one's home office. Do, you know, talk to me about home office, Megan. Yeah. How's that work? So um, basically it's the idea, and this, and this kind of stretches across a number of different categories, but the big thing with home office is basically you're saying, hey, I have dedicated a piece of my property that I own personally. Or rent. To, or rent, yep, to the business, right? And I've committed this space. And so all these expenses that I pay personally, the rent or the mortgage or the property taxes or the house cleaner, whatever it is, have some level of proportionate business use, okay? And so what we're trying to do is capture that. If you qualify for home office and all these things, right? right? So what we're trying to do is say, hey, you know, of my 2,000 square foot house, 10% of it is dedicated to this business. And so I'm gonna take 10% of my property tax and my homeowner's insurance and my mortgage interest and all these things. And I'm going to show those on my business tax return as tax deductions. Yep, absolutely. There's two big advantages is A, is if you don't itemize your deductions, Mm -hmm. that low mortgage interest, that low real estate tax is not deductible anyway. Now we're creating a deduction that wasn't available to you, Mm -hmm. right? Because it was less than the standard deduction. Tax Cuts and Jobs Act like cranked up the standard deduction, right? Which is good and bad. Um, But it's mostly good. (laughs) Um, Home office... Also, because people are like, well, you know, my mortgage interest is already deductible. My real estate taxes are already deductible. And let's say not SALT limited, right, to $10,000. That's cool. You're right. Um, But what a home office does is now open up your commuting doors, right, Mm -hmm. to more deductions. Without a home office, and this, I think, blows people away a little bit. Without a home office, your drive from your home to your hospital is not tax deductible. That's considered commuting because mm-hmm. you're driving to your tax home. But if you or you're, you're driving to the principal um, place of business, but if you now have a home office, your commutes from the bedroom to the basement, <laughs> you know, and then the drive from your home office to the hospital is basically a drive between work locations. So. The home office in itself may be, I'm not trying to like value assess money, but it's it's maybe a hundred bucks, 150 bucks cash in pocket from the extra deductions of homeowner's insurance or HOA or utilities or all those things you can't deduct on a Schedule A of your tax return. Mm -hmm. 
that's good money, but it's not great money. But if you can take all this mileage and take other things associated with that, that's a bigger, bigger deal. If you take, if you drive 10,000 10, miles over the course of the year, without a home office, you just lost, what, $6,000 in tax mm-hmm. deductions mm-hmm. at the highest marginal tax rate. That's 2200 bucks or so. That's real money, cash in pocket, right? So anyway, the home office, I don't think, is that great of a deduction in itself. It does open up to doors to more deductions. Um, anything you want to add to home office? Or? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, and some people might not use a home office. You know, they might want to keep their work life and their personal life separate. We get that. But there are still other avenues to use your home as a deduction, right? So for single member S-Corps that are personal services might not apply to them but the master's rule, right? Where you rent your home to your business for 14,000, is that? 14 days. 14 days Mm -hmm. for fair market value. Yeah, fair market value. Fair market value for- say a thousand bucks a night. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I was thinking. (laughs) For 14 days or less, you as the individual don't have to pay tax on that money and the business takes it as a a deduction. it's going to apply more if you have employees, or I think we had a client once that had Tupperware parties. Paper and, chef. yeah, yeah. Paper chefs, where she just rented out the basement of her home, and now... Once a some, month. Yeah, once yep. a month. Well, the argument there was that if she didn't rent out her house for these events, she would have had to rent out a separate space. So exactly. something yeah. was going to get rented. Yeah. It was, you know, if she does it internally, she's got a deduction with no corresponding income. Where, where it gets a little bit... Ah, thin <laughs> is when someone says, "Well, I got board meetings at my house yeah. once a month." I'm like, "Well, who's on the board?" First of all, you're an LLC; you don't have a, <laughs> don't have a board of directors. But let's just pretend like you do. Well, it's just me, okay? You know, what business purpose is this serving? So, and, and, you know, and you get you get people who get advice from their bartender or from their produce clerk or from whoever, and they're like, "Well, you can you can create this, you can do board meetings at your house and, and have this deduction that doesn't you know that doesn't count as your income and all these things." And you're like, "Well, yes, technically, practically, it's an end around. People will see right through it." Well, and it takes us back to deductions can't be lavish or extravagant, right? Mm-hmm. You know, me as a single member escort who is the board owner and the officer and the shareholder. And the janitor. Yeah. (laughs) You know, should I be spending, I like the $14,000 figure, should I be spending $14,000 to host my meeting? Probably not. I should probably take myself to Starbucks. You know, something along those lines. It's a little bit more reasonable. Totally, I agree. And to qualify for a deduction just in general, right, has to be ordinary and necessary. Ordinary is something that everybody does in your industry. Okay, so I'm not sure how many board of director meetings are happening <laughs> with CRNAs, let's say. Um, and then necessary for your business to survive, right? And so ordinary and necessary are, are two just cornerstone rules, and then it can't be lavish or extravagant. So, yeah, so the home office, to kind of bring it all back, to wonderful tax deduction, but not necessarily for the home office itself, but for the extra deductions that opens up and basically mileage. Or if your car is owned by the S-Corp, if you will, then it's then all the gas and all the stuff is deductible. Um, let's talk about automobiles. Tell me about... Someone calls you up and says, hey, should I put my car... In, you know, should a business own my car? It's a loaded question. As right? with all the maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you the qualified 
Let's look into yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, what, what kind of car are we talking about? You know, right. How many miles do you drive a year? And something that we see with CRNAs too, because this question is something they have all the time, but they're usually staying so close to the hospital mm-hmm. that they're really not putting that many miles on their car, but their business use percentage is staying so high. Right. Because they're really using that car almost exclusively for work. Because right. they're staying five miles from the hospital. Maybe they can walk to the bars or restaurants and who wants to drive back after doing that? <laughs> Right. So, you know, parking. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the times it might be better for them to take actual, put the car in the name of their business so they can take a depreciation deduction. And then now they can swipe the business card, right? right? The one they're at the pump. Whereas if we're doing the standard mileage rate, which might make sense, you right. know, depending on your individual situation, if you're doing the standard mileage rate, all of those auto expenses have to be paid personally by you. And right. then you need to have the business reimburse you for the standard mileage rate. Right. No, that's a problem. No, I agree. So... I 100%. I there's two bookends, right? High miles, cheap car. High miles, let's say 20,000 miles. Cheap car being let's say 30,000. That's almost clearly one that you want to own individually and get reimbursed by the S Corp for mileage. Because there's tax arbitrage, right? What's yeah. the mileage rate? 60, 62 and a half. 60, for the rest well, of this they just went year. up, right? Because of. Did it go all the way up to 62 and a half? For the rest of this from year? 58, right. I oh, think. Right, for right. The first yep. half. So it went up, I know, July 1st. Um, but anyway, so that's. Free money on a in a lot of ways, but on a cheap car, a cheap car might only operate for like forty cents a mile. And you're super, yeah, yeah, something like that, <laughs> yeah. And it's efficient; it's not depreciating much, and all those things. So the mileage is a tax arbitrage play because you can get all this extra, if you will, income from your business that's not taxed, or I should call it reimbursement that's not taxed. Um, that's cool. Expensive car, I'll say eighty thousand, ninety, the hundred thousand dollar luxury car, and you're driving eight thousand miles. And also, let's say you turn cars over every two or three years, so mm-hmm. you're already mentally prepared for the big drop in value right away. Um, that's a car that, if you can justify, should be owned by the business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the person who wants to spend. 58,000 or 62,000 and you drive like 12,000 miles you're like oh it's probably half dozen one six the other do you want to brag about it at the parties that your car is owned by the business or do you really not care do you want to use your business card at the pump yeah exactly yeah yeah it's all better convenience or what so um so yeah that's automobiles um they real quick sidebar on this stuff we get a lot of phone calls in december like hey should i buy a car before 1231 for the tax deduction and we always say, do you need a car? Because mm-hmm. we do not spend money for a tax deduction. That's insane. You spend money because it makes operational sense. If it happens to be a tax deduction, then but great. It's a, it's a write-off. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's free money. <laughs> the write-off people pay for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Monopoly. I've been trying to get a hold of those guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm always in jail, you know, on the Monopoly board. I can never get a hold of them. Um, yeah, so automobiles are, are great tax deductions because you already have that expense coming out of your purse. You know, now let's find a business use for some of that and make it a deduction. So cell phone, Internet, you want to talk about that a little bit, Megan? Yeah. So, I mean, there's hardly anybody who can do anything, you know, for their business without cell phone and Internet at this point. And so um, we see a ton of people. They're basically utilizing their personal cell phone, their personal home Internet connection to operate the business. That is at some level a business deduction. Absolutely. You should be taking a percentage of it. Now, WCG says 
slow your roll. We're not going to let you take 100% of all this stuff because you are getting some personal usage out of it too. But uh, yeah, I mean, we see people who their internet connection is their, you know, the way the business communicates with the rest of the world. Totally. And Especially in CRNA land, it mm-hmm. seems like they're looking at their cases, they're they're interfacing with the hospital, doing a lot of stuff just all on their cell phone. They're getting alerts about what is coming up next and all that. Um, so yeah, we look at 80% as kind of like our max as a firm. Mm-hmm. We feel like there's always going to be a 20% component of, hey, honey, we need milk and eggs mm-hmm. or something, or your kids call you or whatever. Um, and then internet, we, we kind of have a similar concept, about 80% mm-hmm. of that, up to 80%. It, it really depends on mm-hmm. each client and all that. Um, so yeah, cell phone, internet. Um, and then, so, so in those examples, in that home office, and let's assume automobile mileage is happening. So you're getting reimbursed for miles by the S-Corp, by your entity, cell phone and internet, those four, right? We, we kind of categorize those as mixed use in a lot of ways. Let's just assume that the automobile is personal and business. Um, we need you to pay for all those expenses personally and then get reimbursed by the company. I think it's a common misconception. Like, hey, I'm driving to the hospital, and I need gas to get to the hospital. I should pull out my business credit card. It's like, mm, stop. If this car is both personal and business, we need you to pay it with personal funds and then have the business reimburse you for the business use of your car, which is typically going to be the mileage rate. So Yeah, and back to one of our previous segments, that just helps you with that arm's length transaction between you and the business. Yep. You know, you're so close to the business, but you know, I work at WCG. WCG isn't me, isn't giving me their company car to fill up my tank, right? Mm-hmm. It just it wouldn't make any sense. I'd like it, but it wouldn't make sense. So, but we are looking at giving you a cell phone. That's though. true. That's true. <laughs> but you will joke. reimburse my mileage <laughs> if I go and drive around exactly. for the company. Yeah, so yeah. I pay for it with my card. Mm-hmm. I submit an expense reimbursement, and I don't know if accountable plan is on there too. But that's another really important document to have because yep. normally reimbursement are seen as taxable income right unless you have an accountable plan in place correct yep yep i agree so yeah that's and those are a good example home office automobiles cell phone internet's all accountable plan expenses meaning if you don't have this document it's very simple and we can draft it for you and all these things you don't have this document if asked for it the irs will then deem all those reimbursements as income Um, which is not good because since the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you can't deduct any of that stuff against your ordinary income. Right. So it's kind of a kind of a crummy deal. Um, let's talk about meals, right? This is gonna be a long segment, everybody. Like I said, get get that beer. If you, if, if, you, if, you if you need another, yeah, if you need another beer, go hit pause and get one. Um, talk about meals Megan a little bit like yeah so meals you know and it does it goes back to this whole ordinary and necessary thing right you know and um, I'm gonna forget the name of the case but the guy who wanted to eat every single meal out and say it's a business expense the IRS says nice try Dr. Sutter actually a physician yeah Yeah, um, but you know and it's like anything else don't be greedy don't be unreasonable and it's gonna be fine right your meals should be um, necessary you should be eating with clients Um, you you should be eating away from home, some of those things. Yep. So, yeah, so to kind of break it down, you know, 
you can't. So let's just tell you what you can't do, right? Mm. You can't go to the ho- to the hospital cafeteria um, and order lunch and get lunch and all that stuff and call that a business meal. It's not, right? You need to eat anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you happen to have a business meeting with another associate, let's say you're talking to a hospital administrator, you're talking to a fellow CRNA, you're comparing notes, you're kind of talking business, and everybody talks shop and business in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. If that was a meeting that was already going to happen, and then you happen to eat during that meeting, mm-hmm. two thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> now that becomes deductible. And this is the last year, right, of 100%, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Next year, it goes back to 150%. Next year being 2023, if those are, if people are watching this like 100 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that is what you cannot do. You cannot just deduct every meal. It has to be a meal that was just coincidentally happened during a business meeting. TDY meals, the, all bets are off there. Those are one, a 50% you know, deductible um, all day long as long as you meet the TDY requirements, even if you're eating by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of what else we want to talk about with meals. Travel meals, TDY aside, too. Right, so, so going to that conference. Yeah, uh, so if you're not TDY, so I'm going to give Colorado examples, um, even though we do 80% of our business outside of Colorado, <laughs> but I work in Denver, right? I'm in the Colorado Springs location today. Man, you know, but driving back up to Denver, I'm going to get kind of hungry. You know? <laughs> I think I'm going to need to stop by Chick-fil-A. Get a snack. Sponsor me. Um, I think, <laughs> think I'm going to need to stop by Chick-fil-A, get a couple spicy chicken sandwiches, Sandwiches, you know, start chowing down on those, and then Smith. Is it just you in the car? Yeah, yeah, just two me. sandwiches. Just me. It's a deduction. It's a write-off. It's a write-off. But now, you know, you can only deduct travel meals if your travel requires substantial rest. Right. So, forty-five minutes from here to Denver. Not substantial rest right. at all. And taking a nap in a lounge or finding some <laughs> finding some random hospital bed to take a snooze in is not considered substantial rest. Right. Yeah. But if I'm driving from here maybe to Wyoming to meet a client, you know that, that's a little bit of a haul. You right. know? So then when I'm stopping there getting a meal before I go back, then that would qualify as a travel. Right. Meal. Right. As long as you had that substantial rest. Yeah. Exactly. So um, yeah. So meals are a great deduction. We'll talk about putting spouse on payroll here in a second because that kind of loops back to the meal stuff. How about education? You know, a lot of people that are watching these videos um, have taken some classes. Um, one of them is offered by Alicia Quante, and she does the, the 1099 Master Class, I think it's called. Success Academy. Yeah, Success yeah. Academy, yep. And um, that costs money, I'm sure. Alicia doesn't do it for free. Um, she travels a lot, so I'm sure she's doing okay. You know. Um, anyway, uh, that education, business deduction? It depends. Yeah. My favorite answer. Um, You know, education is going to be deductible if it doesn't allow you to perform substantially different services in your business, Mm -hmm. right? So for a lot of uh, our staff accounts, if they're not credentialed, they can't sign tax returns, right? right? So they're going to go out, they're going to get credentialed, they're going to spend a decent amount of money, we reimburse them for it, but they can't deduct those because now they can perform significantly different tasks here, but like continuing education. Right. Right. So all the CPE credentials do and all the CPE CRNAs do and traveling healthcare professionals doesn't really allow you to perform significantly different tasks. Right. It just allows you to keep doing your job. Right. So that's 100 percent deductible. It really right. comes back to that ordinary and necessary. This is necessary. I cannot stay licensed to do the job that I'm doing if I do not do this education. Correct. Yeah. So with this particular class, 
the uh, Success Academy offered by Alicia, it, you know, it, um, I look at it as continuing education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just additional education to improve your current work skills. Now, there are some really I would say bad tax court cases out there. And one of them involves a nurse who got this extra certification to do something and allowed her as a female in this situation, allowed her to do these other procedures and allowed her to get into other areas of the hospital. And the tax court came down on her like a ton of bricks saying, oh, no, 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 this allows you to do other types of work. It's not deductible. Mm -hmm. So it has to improve your current work skills, not give you new work skills. Now, I think that's razor thin, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because uh, we've also seen tax court cases where people are deducting their MBA. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I've no. seen the exact same fact pattern in another court be denied. Right. So it's it's really squishy. Um, WCG typically is going to presume to uh, say, yes, it's deductible unless it's very obviously not substantially different yeah um just in general like we're we're the client's advocate now you know at some point we say no that's clearly not deductible and this Mm -hmm. clearly is but if there's a question if there's a a fact pattern if there's a situation there's all those things and it's not obvious that it's not deductible then we're going to probably go back to the client go what do you want to do? You know, yeah. we believe we have a reasonable argument. We might lose, mm-hmm. but our argument's not unreasonable. I wouldn't be embarrassed to make it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. that's being I embarrassed. took this class. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, being embarrassed about the deductions is something I talk about with clients all the time, too. You know, I, I ask them, like, if you and I are sitting across the table from an auditor, do you really, can you look at them with a straight face and say you spent $20,000 on meals? And right. they, were, they were all a business expense. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of start to see it with a different lens. Yeah, exactly. And, and and, and we can go on and on about that and about tax deductions mm-hmm. and reasonableness and uh, the risk and all those things. So um, let's let's kind of jump ahead. I, I got a tire on here. I, I don't want to spend any time on that. Um, let's talk about putting spouse on payroll. What do you guys think about that? There's two big advantages. Yeah. Well, the one that I always think of first is retirement. Yeah, um, totally. So, you know, now and that specifically I'm... specifically a 401k. A 401k, specifically, yeah, because now that I'm an employee of my, my business and I'm going to get a W-2, I can also defer money into a 401k. The maximum for me, the individual, is 20500 for this year. Well, now, if I put my spouse on the payroll, guess what? Double down. They also have a $20,500 deferral limit. So if you can cash flow it, you can get to a point I mean, for a married couple, what would it be this year? 122000 You could max out 61000 yep. each. Yep. If you max it takes out every big salaries, I mean, right. you'd have to have a lot of income to make that make sense. But the limits double yep. for, you know, if you can put a spouse on payroll. No, it's awesome. I mean, if you look at officer compensation, let's say of $100,000, you have a CRNA business. We have to mm-hmm. think of it as a business. $100,000 officer comp, let's say. Um, let's say the CRNA business is making two hundred fifty thousand. We determine that hundred grand's a reasonable salary. Using that as an example, yeah, you could pay somebody, let's say, seventy grand, and then pay the spouse thirty grand, still combined for a hundred. So officer comp looks reasonable on the S corp tax return. But now you're able to double down on those four hundred one k contributions. Mm-hmm. You have to be a little bit careful if your spouse does work and they have another 401k at his or her job, yeah. then you have to make sure you don't violate those limits when combined. But yeah, 20,500 yeah. times two plus 25% of that W-2, right. combined W-2. So in that case, you got 20,500 times two, that's 41,000 plus another 25 grand. Mm-hmm. So you got $66,000, if I'm doing the math quickly, um, 
a 401k contribution. That's massive. Some people get cash limited. Like you started talking about these numbers like, oh, well, well, I don't have that much. Okay. But that's available to you very easily with very little pain, right? Adding your spouse Mm -hmm. costs you about 400 bucks, let's say on average of additional unemployment taxes and everything else is the same. Mm -hmm. There's no additional Medicare, Social Security or income taxes. It's just being shifted around. Um, So that's huge. And any other benefit or do you want to add something to that? The other benefit is it, uh, it allows you to find ways to deduct things you're already spending. If I want to go to a conference in Vegas and bring my spouse. It sounds like she needs to be there for the business. <laughs> for you know? the business. Yeah, Especially exactly. in a CRNA instance, too, because CRNAs, the last thing they want to do is administrative work. You know, they're at the hospital 12 hours. Some of them work 24-hour shifts. I don't know how they do that. but they're Don't at, you work 24 hours doing tax returns? <laughs> in private. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they're at the hospital for such a long time to come home and do bookkeeping or, you know, administrative tasks or even cleaning up their home office, things like that. Just let your spouse take care of it. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, Awesome. Well, I agree with that. I want to just add on one more thing. In our previous segment, we talked about that temporary duty assignment stuff, right? And I want to make sure that our audience understands that is very much different than working two weeks on, two weeks off indefinitely. So there's a lot of CRNA jobs out there, which are great, where you're sitting in Texas for two weeks off and then you travel to Illinois uh, for two weeks on and you come back and you're doing that indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Your tax home is in Illinois, not Texas. That travel, not deductible. Those meals, lodging, all that, not deductible. Now, if that assignment is six months, nine months, definite, under a year, then maybe it's now a temporary duty assignment. So if you are finding yourself in that two-week on, two-week off situation, try to nail down the term, you know, so then we can qualify that as a temporary duty assignment. So anyway, these have been great segments. In our first segment, uh, way back when, we talked about the overview of the CRNA industry, why going from W-2 to 1099 is a good idea. Win-win, right? More money, more deductions. Perfect. Basically, more cash coming home because exactly. you're making more and you pay less in taxes right, right. Uh, talked about the entity S Corp election when to defer all that stuff that sounds awesome uh, state issues when to register where are you going to pay income taxes or are you going to have to process your payroll we talked about temporary duty assignments um, home office accountable plan stuff like home office automobile cell phone internet uh, we talked about meals mm-hmm. education is it improving a current work scale or is it required for your for your um, continuing education, like your credential, like CPAs and stuff like that. We talked about um, putting spouse on payroll. We've only talked about a few things really in in the last hour and a half that we've been doing this um, podcast and recording. Uh, So get a hold of us at WCG, talk to us. We do have a CRNA specialist team. Mm -hmm. um, That's, we do a lot of CRNA stuff. And there's a lot of, I would argue that 70% of them are all pretty same. So it's kind of like a house. Your house has four walls and a roof. So is mine, you know, but the inside of it's a little different, you know, so everyone's going to have some uniqueness and we can certainly help navigate through all that. Um, again, my name is Jason Watson with WCG. I'm Joseph Bassett. Megan Olchenbrun. And this has been our podcast, our four segment podcast on CRNAs. One of the things that we, I think, intentionally avoided was reasonable compensation. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably another five or six segment podcast because there is no good answer on that. So stay tuned for the reasonable compensation podcast. We'll get that recorded pretty quick here. And uh, we thank you for your time.